Welcome to The Gathering at Brock. Thank you for joining us for our series on the gifts of the Spirit. Today's message is by Pastor Jesse Tunnell. I want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also Romans chapter 12. As you do that, can I just uh, share a, a couple of things with you as you turn? Number one, um, you know, we've been talking uh, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture in the mornings and then at night. We've been having some wonderful times at 6 p.m. Uh, where we just answer any questions, further discussion, worship Jesus, and pray for one another about the gifts. Next week, I just want to make you aware, next week, Pastor Jeff and I, uh, if, you, if you're a visitor here, you may not know that we have another campus in uh, Adel, Texas. Pastor Jeff and I will be switching locations, so I'll be preaching there. He'll bless you here. Uh, so, and he is not going to be covering uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has something else on his heart. So we won't meet next week for that, okay? All right, so just want to make you aware. Um, also, uh, let me just say this. We want to congratulate Pastor Bryson and Tiffany. Their baby girl was born this week. Zoe Wonder is here. Zoe Wonder is here. And also want to announce that we have lost Linda Robinson. For those of you who know her this week, uh, she passed away. Uh, Mike helped with the building of the foyer and the children's building. You would know them if you saw them. But Linda developed an aggressive uh, liver cancer that uh, robbed her of, of her life really quickly. So we want to pray for Mike and um, Donna and the rest of the family. So he gives, he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Right? We love him on, and we're excited uh, in both situations. Uh, for those of you who know Linda, she just a faithful servant of the living God. So she's with Jesus today and uh, not in the least bit of pain or worry. So we are so blessed. All right. Okay. And then the last thing that I have uh, that I want to share with you, I just felt really when I woke up this morning, I began stirring and talking to the Lord. And then definitely during service um, tonight, at 6 p.m. when we meet normally to cover gifts. Uh, I, we're not going to do gifts tonight. I'm just calling all hungry people, and we're just going to cry out our hearts to the Lord for revival. So if, if you're a hungry heart and you want to be here at 6, um, we may discuss a couple of the gifts in the first literally three to five minutes, maybe. I'm just asking the Lord about it. But we're going to spend the night... We already have childcare, but we're going to spend the hours we had planned uh, because I believe God is stirring in revival in our midst, and uh, I just want hungry people to agree with, all right? So come back tonight at 6, and we'll just uh, lay ourselves before the Lord and say, whatever you want, do it. We say yes, all right? So you've already turned to 1 Corinthians. I probably should. 
let's read together. Uh, if, if you're just new to, to, uh, to this journey on the gifts, would you go back and listen to the teachings? Because we've covered the majority of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and now we're in the second list of the gifts in verse 27. And uh, some of those gifts are mentioned twice or three times, both here and in Romans chapter 12, um, verse 3. So we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Let's read that, and then we'll turn over to Romans chapter 12. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with the gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Okay, if you're wondering what the greater gifts are, read on in chapter 13 and 14. Um, but so we've covered a lot of those gifts. Today we're actually going to cover specifically uh, helping others, administration, and if we get to it, service, which I doubt. Okay, but now let's turn over to Romans chapter 12 and let's read verse 3 where we encounter uh, another listing of gifts, which touch on some of these again. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Okay? So, Father, we trust you for um, a movement of power through the Holy Spirit to take these words to create change in our lives, to transition us into effectiveness for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so um, why are we even talking about the gifts as a whole, if I could, briefly in introduction? Why we're talking about the gifts is because uh, if, you were, if you've been around last year, the vision for the year 2022 was the year of feasting at the banqueting table of God's presence, intimacy. And um, while some of us were in ministering in India towards the last part of 2022, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Jesse, last year you feasted, this year you feed. Last year you feasted, this year you feed. And in my heart I knew exactly the interpretation of what he was saying. It's time to start moving in the fullness of the kingdom outside these walls so that revival can be more 
than just church services, that it touches the world, right? The world, it touches the world where they need it, okay? And so uh, what better way than for us to begin talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because as we've reminded ourselves, it's all about Jesus. The focus is not the gifts. We're learning about the gifts um, and eagerly desire them because the Bible tells us to. Uh, but the focus is not the gifts. The focus is our king and his kingdom and his glory on the earth. The gifts are mere vessels in which the kingdom of God flows through the people of God to touch the world that's hungry for God. Now, the world doesn't know that they're hungry for God. They just know they're hungry. All right? They know they want something that the world cannot give them. Amen? Haven't we all been there? We've been so uh, full of the world and yet completely unsatisfied. All of us were there at some point. It's how God drew us uh, into the family kingdom. Okay? Now, I was sitting down with someone from the church having lunch this week. And um, they said to me, Jesse, I cannot believe this. I, someone brought this message that was being taught to my attention, and it's a, a church in our area, a, a, a well-known, well-established church. She said, Jess, you're not going to believe this, but they were teaching that all the gifts has ceased, that the gifts ceased with the disciples and the birth of the church, and that they're no longer available. And I said, I said, yeah, I, I know that she, and she had never been around any church other than the gathering, but I tried to share with her, yeah, there's actually a huge chunk of, you know, mainline religion today that completely believes that after the birth of the church and the death of the apostles, that there's no longer a need or a necessity or a value for the gifts of the Spirit. I know because I was raised that way, and I was taught that in seminary, and I, I understand the cessationist point of view. And, uh, but, but, and I was sharing, I was sharing with her, she was like, but the Bible, I was like, yeah, that's, it's kind of a problem. The rest of the Bible, you know, and, um, and something she said captivated my heart. She was like, how, how can you give so much and sacrifice everything to a king and then have no power? I think that's a, it's a good question. It's a good question. Why is it important to understand who the Holy Spirit is and why he's moving through the church and how he's gifted us? Because wide and large in the Western United States, I, think, I don't think this is an, uh, too harsh of a, state, a statement. By and large, the church as a whole has become powerless. Like, we're really good at having services, singing songs, preaching sermons, church growth techniques, big crowds, policies, budgets, and meeting the needs of the consumer. That's what the church has become excellent at. What we have failed to do is be a company of people 
that burn with passionate love for God and serve as humble conduits of his kingdom to the world. When, tell me, tell me, when you read the Bible, when did church become sterile, tidy boxes of policies and traditions that have little to no power to give people actual solutions to their real world problems? And I've said it and I'll say it again. I could care less if the gathering is five people or 5,000 people. I've never cared. It doesn't bother me. Over these 15 years, this church has grown and shrunk and grown and shrunk. People have come, people have gone uh, for many different reasons. And it does not detour me for one second because all I care about is being among a people who will not lower the bar. Who will say, this is what the church was meant to be, a group of people passionately in love with God and are serious about bringing the kingdom of God to heaven, the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so I'm proud of you. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of you that you want to be that kind of people. All right. So here's what we would like to do. Uh, let's let's start uh, in First Corinthians chapter twelve with uh, the gift of helps or the gift of helping others. Let's read here in verse twenty-eight. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers then workers of miracles, all those having gifts of healings, which we have all covered in the past. If you're wondering about any of those gifts or positions, uh, you, you can catch up on our teaching. And then we get those to help others. Those to help others. All right. Helping others is a gift of the Holy Spirit. All right. The Greek word here used in the original language is antilepsis, which literally means not like, because I feel like when, when, when we translate it, the gift of helps, it's like, um, it's like yeah, I, I carry people's groceries or I hold open the door, and I, don't get me wrong, that is a reflection of kindness and Jesus. But that's not the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. Because this Greek word, antilepsis, listen to what this means. It means to bring relief by participation with. Think about that. It's not just holding the door open for somebody. This spiritual gift is the supernatural ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to enter into another person's hardship and bring relief. And that is miraculous. It's supernatural. It comes from the root word antilambano, which is a combination of two words. Anti, which means uh, substitution or in each other's place. And lambano, which means to take or to seize. 
So you see where the root word here, the, the word literally means to take hold of the opportunity to substitute yourself in the pain of someone else to bring relief. To be willing to enter into their situation to bring the help of heaven into their circumstance. Matthew chapter 9, 35 and 36, um, we take a look at, at what Jesus is doing in the crowds. And it says that Jesus saw their need, he was moved with compassion, and he provided relief. This is the heart and the example of Jesus, isn't it? Willing to become God in the flesh to participate in our pain in order to relieve it. That, that is the gospel. Here we were, completely separated God, dead in sin, wilting, dying, harassed, helpless. And so God said, I will fix this situation. I will come to you. I will become God in the flesh and walk among you. I will be moved with compassion and I will relieve your pain. Not only in the moment, but for eternity. And so as we look at the gift of helping others, let us raise the bar beyond holding doors and carrying groceries into a movement of the Holy Spirit through us in the moment of need to enter into the deepest, darkest, most hurtful pain that He has led us to, to hold up their arms, to hold up their soul, their heart, to bring the relief of heaven. Isn't heaven relief? The kingdom of heaven is not religion, right? Religion doesn't relieve people. Unless you're talking about the religion that Jesus speaks of when he says, do away the traditions of man and help the widows and the orphans and keep yourself from being defiled by the world. That's true religion. I'm talking about the religion of mankind that has twisted all the rules of God into becoming, all right, here's, here's what you do. Here's all the things you can't do. Here's all the things you can do. Here's all the things you must do so that Jesus will be happy with you. What a cheap imitation of what Jesus brought to the earth that says you could never be righteous, so I will come and bring the love of God. You can never meet all these laws, so I will fulfill them for you in my death so that you can walk in freedom, right? He's a, he's a bringer of relief, right? And that's what we want to become. We want to become people who stand in the place, who come into the heart place and the hard places and bring relief. My dad tells this story that, uh, I really wish I could have been there for this, but I have a, I have three brothers, an older brother and two younger brothers, uh, and my younger but not youngest brother, he went through a season in high school of uh, rebellion and, and just, you know, everything that a parent doesn't want you to do, he did, okay? And um, one time he, he got in trouble for some, doing some things at school. And so the principal called my dad and said, uh, Mr. Tunnel, I just want you to know that, uh, you know, Travis has done this and this and this, and I'm giving him licks today uh, with the paddle. Yeah, this was back in the good days, right? <laughs> when when uh, teachers still had authority to bring the fear of God 
into children. Um, so I'm going to be giving Travis licks today with the board. Uh, and, and my dad said, okay. And he said that in between then and, and the time of licks, he felt like the Lord put on his heart, go and take his place. This will teach him about the love of God, the sacrifice of God. Go and take his place. So my dad goes up to the school, goes into the principal's office, and says in front of my brother saying, hey, I would like to be an example of how God loves us, and so I would like to take the place of my son and take his punishment and take his licks. And to hear my dad tell the story, I mean, for those of you who have seen or know my dad, he's not like a little man, right? He's, uh, and, he's, and he's a tough guy. He really is. Uh, and so he said he bent over the principal's desk, right? And he thought, surely this guy's going to take it easy on me. I mean, because I'm in the place of my son. And my dad said that the principal lifted him off the ground <laughs> with the paddle. And he said it was so painful, much more than what he thought it was going to be. I really wish I could have been there to see that. I mean, uh, in heaven, I'm going to just eat popcorn and watch the replay on that one. For all the licks my dad gave me growing up, I just want to see that one. Oh, my goodness. Anybody else get licks growing up? Oh, gosh. My dad had a belt, a leather belt we called red because it was red. It's real, real creative. And I, I will, and those of you who understand this, you'll never forget the sound of the pop, pop, pop as that comes through the belt loops. When we got married, Jill said, I love you, but we will never spank our children with a belt. So... We spanked our children with other things, you know, shoes and stuff like that, but she has said, no belt. That crosses the line, no belt. So our children have never gotten a belt, so the tradition of red died. Maybe it's a good thing. Man, can you imagine my dad getting lifted off the ground with that paddle? So great. Uh, but in essence... Uh, that's exactly what we want to do with the spiritual gift of helps. It's stepping into the situation to bring relief. Ashley Byers, who uh, has been part of this church uh, a, a long time, was our children's pastor for a long time, now is our finance manager and uh, helps in a million other ways, secretary uh, skills. She, uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a month ago, she said, one of the most monumental things that I can ever remember you teaching, this was 12 years ago in, um, in the, uh, what am I trying, the retail space we had out by the bank in, in the downtown Brock. She said, the thing I remember the most is we did an entire teaching series called Run to the Pain. And the theory was a combat, the, the, the point was a combat medic. That was the example that we used that runs into the warfare, runs to the cry of pain to bring relief to people who need it the most. If you are of age, 
I would highly encourage you to watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge if you haven't seen it. It's a true story. Hacksaw Ridge was the Battle of Okinawa, the last battle of World War II, uh, in which a conscientious observer, Seventh-day Adventist believer, um, went into combat refusing to carry a gun. And I believe it went through a horrible battle, and I believe it was something like personally carried 60 or maybe more injured soldiers off a cliff and save their lives. And uh, they do an interview of him as an old man. He died in 2011. They do an interview of, of him as an old man, and they ask him, how did you carry, because he was a tiny man, how did you carry 60 men off the battlefield? And he said, I would carry one, and I would say, oh Lord, help me carry one more. And he would go back to the screams of the soldiers. And he would carry one out and he would say, oh Lord, help me carry one more. And he would go in and come out supernatural strength. Right? That is what the gift of helps is all about. Oh Lord, help me carry one more. Because the wounded are endless. You, you realize that, right? When we, I mean... The, wound, the wounded are endless in this room. But especially out there where there's no hope and no answer. They are so needing someone to come into their world and provide them with relief. Run to the pain. I think that's a really good... If you are stirred by the Spirit to operate in this gift, you are a brave soul. You are a brave soul. Is it near as flashy as, you know, prophetic words, is it? It's just as valuable, if not more. Who would say, I eagerly desire to run to the pain? I eagerly desire this gift to go into the fray, come alongside of people, and bring relief to their difficult situations. Ah, it's so needed in the body of Christ. And some of you are so good at this. I'm so, I look, I watch in amazement. You are built with a desire to run to the pain. And um, I'm so thankful for you. Really, this is all we're going to have time for today. Could I just walk through, in closing, um, practical application of how we walk out this gift? And then I'm going to ask Wim Brown to come pray for us as a spiritual medic who runs to the pain, so gifted in this gift. But some practical application. You ready? Just real practical. Slow down enough to see the needs this week. Slow down enough to see the needs. Jesus was great at that. You know, who else had a to-do list like he had in his three years of public ministry on the earth? You, you think you got a tight schedule and a long to-do list? What you got to do on the earth compared to what he was establishing on the earth, right? And yet Jesus had the ability to slow down and see a need that was very small in the big scheme, 
but huge to that person. So would you commit to slow down enough this week to pay attention to the needs of people? I don't, I seriously doubt any of us are going to walk through this week without brushing up against a very deep need. It's just not going to happen. The question is, will we be sensitive enough to slow down and see it? All right. And then practically number two, allow yourself to be moved with compassion. Allow yourself to be moved with compassion. We have become such a task-oriented, intellect, knowledge-driven people that uh, we've moved away from the biblical culture that was more based on experience, and we no longer allow ourselves to experience the pain and the hurt of others. We're too busy trying to medicate our own. And so we are often coming against needs and we either ignore them totally or we treat them as a task to be accomplished because we're not deeply moved with compassion by the Spirit as Jesus was. And I could just go into a lot of stories that I'm learning at the PD. Uh, you talk about a people who get calloused over time and, and I absolutely see why. Uh, it's, I, I see it. But may we be people that no longer, no matter how long we're in the battle, we're willing to be moved with compassion like our Savior. And you know how you're going to do that? Spending time with Jesus in the morning. Connecting with his heart, first thing. Because when you, how many of you will testify when you connect with his heart first thing in the morning, you can maintain his heart of softness throughout the day. And people you would have ignored totally yesterday now are highlighted in the spirit before you. So the practical application is be moved by the spirit. The practical application of that is have the guts, the fortitude, and make the time to spend some time with Jesus first thing in the morning and let him move your heart. All right. And then lastly, what's the practical application for the gift of helps? Participate in their, pain, in their pain to bring supernatural relief. They're, what they don't need, I, I honestly believe this, what they don't need is just Christians who will participate in their pain and come into agreement with all the lies and plans of the enemy in their life. Now, I understand being moved with compassion and participating, but in the, in the end, they need someone that's confident that they're bringing a heaven solution, right? And that may look very different than what your mind and heart is the solution for the issue, but God is continually speaking to his sons and daughters through the Spirit to bring a plan for relief. How many people came to Jesus in their deepest pain that we have record of that he did not relieve their pain? Think about that. Read the Gospels. How many people came to Jesus with a deep pain or an issue that he did not bring relief? Let me, let me give you a, a good answer. Slim to none. Right? So if we're bringing his kingdom, I believe he's going to move in us and through us to bring relief to people's pain, right? 
And so have the confidence that you're bringing with you the authority and the very presence of Jesus. You realize that the Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but yet he sits on a throne in the right hand of his Father. He never leaves and forsakes us because the presence of Jesus is manifest in the person of the Holy Spirit in my life and in my heart every day. And so we can have the confidence that we can walk into the most, and this happens all the time. You walk into a pain and you in your flesh are completely overwhelmed and have no idea how you could ever bring relief. Be confident. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Yes, that's what the Bible says. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. You are his home. And he has every answer to every problem. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, this, uh, the Apostle Paul said about Jesus that through the Holy Spirit we can have the mind of Christ. There is no situation that God has ordained for you to walk into to partner bring, to bring relief and pain that he will not give you everything you need in the moment. If you have the faith to believe, an ear to hear, and the confidence that he's going to do it. Raise your hand if you, by yourself, without God, can bring relief to any pain. Maybe Dr. Chuck gets to relieve his Maybe he gets to raise his hand. But I would think he would say that even the physical abilities he has as a doctor come from the goodness and kindness of God. None of us have anything apart from him that's going to be any meaningful, permanent kingdom solution. But in him, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Every time, every moment, every problem, every heartache, every depression, every brokenness, we have everything we need. And he's a person, and he's called the Holy Spirit, and he lives in us forever. Amen? All right, when would you come? Uh, of anybody I know on the earth today, when Brown is made and loves to run to the pain, he is a pain reliever in the kingdom, and I want to honor that about you, sir. I love that about you. He is a gift to our church. If you don't know Wynn and Sherry, they are a gift from God. So whatever's on your heart, and then would you... Uh, actually, let's just stand together. Is that okay? We're going to close in this way. We're going to leave. We'll see you tonight at 6. So anything on your heart, and then pray for us, sir. Well, I was called into a particularly bad situation as a chaplain. And as I was there ministering to the family... One of them asked me a question that I really hadn't thought about. And she said, you know, we have to be here. We understand why the police and the fire have to be here. You're the only one that doesn't have to be here. Why? And my answer was because I was called by God and I was equipped by God. This is truly a gift because of the first 40 years of my life, I didn't have it. If you'd asked me to go into those emotional situations, I'd be looking at you like you're crazy. But I spent time and I was asking God and he gave me a vision of ministry. 
I didn't think of it as a receiving a gift at the time, but it changed at that time. And then he equipped me to do it. Almost immediately brought it to me so that I'm not out floundering. He brought the training to me how to be a person with this gift. So if you desire this gift, would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Father God, we thank you for those who are willing to serve you in the hurts, in the pains, in the trauma, in the loss. Father, I pray that you will bless them with this gift and that you will equip them to be able to do it. Lord, I pray a blessing over everyone who's raised their hand, everyone who desires to help their brothers and sisters, to help the people who are hurting wherever and whenever they are, Father. That you bless them, equip them, and give them this gift, Lord, that we are blessed so that we are a blessing to this congregation, to our city, to our county, to wherever you place us, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Before, before you go, I just was reminded while you were praying, and I think you, you teach this so well. When we say bringing a kingdom solution, sometimes that solution is sitting next to them and weeping. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about fixing the problem. I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit for a solution in their need. And sometimes it's not saying a word or doing a thing. It's being there, right? Yeah. All right. Bless you. Thank you so much. We'll see you tonight at six for all the home.